You're listening to EPN, the E-Podcast Network. Hi, this is Hope Katz Gibbs with the Incandescent Radio Show. I am here with the founder of the Holsty Manifesto. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Welcome to the show. Hey, uh, really cool to be here. Um, my name is Michael Radfar. I'm a co-founder of Holsty and started Holsty about three years ago. And, um, yeah, what can I say? <laughs> well, tell us Sorry. about the, the manifesto. Tell us how it came to be. Um, we, we're, well, you have it shown here on the screen. Um, I, you know, I, I found it online and was just so blown away that I had to reach out to you guys and learn a little bit more about it, uh, for the magazine and for the radio show. Um, why don't, do you want to read it out loud just a little bit or do you want me to? Um, Go ahead. I'll, I'll let you do that. Okay. So uh, this is your life. Do what you love and do it often. If you don't like something, change it. If you don't like your job, quit. If you don't have enough time, stop watching TV. If you're looking for the love of your life, stop. They will be waiting for you when you start doing things you love. Stop overanalyzing. All emotions are beautiful. When you eat, appreciate. Life is simple. Every last bite. Open your mind, arms, and heart to new things and people. We are united in our differences. Ask the next person you see what their passion is and share your inspiring dream with them. Travel often. Getting lost will help you find yourself. Some opportunities only come once. Seize them. Life is about the people you meet and the things you create with them. So go out and start creating. Life is short. Live your dream and share your passion. Written by Dave, Mike, and Fabian. Designed by Rachel at holsty.com slash manifesto. And so you guys wrote this beautiful document in 2009. What inspired it? We, uh, a lot of things. I think we were all working on a lot of different projects at the time, Pulsey being one of them, and also had full-time jobs. And we were having a lot of conversations about how, um, if we were, how the importance of just focusing on one thing. And if we were to do that, um, what would be the ultimate end goal and how did we know that we were successful in that? And so the first thing that we did was um, we started to, um, first thing that we did was sit down and say, okay, well, do we want to focus on old Is it something that we want to do? And once we realized that was really important for us, um, the next thing we decided was, well, how are we going to know when Holty is successful? And there's a lot of ways that people kind of define success. And financial, financial metrics is one of the first ways um, I think that comes to mind many times. And for us, we realized that, of course, we want to create something that is financially sustainable, but there's bigger questions at play. And there's, there's reasons why we were preparing to quit our jobs or really take major life changes. Um, and it wasn't just for financial reasons. And we decided to redefine for ourselves what, what success would look like in non-financial terms. And so we sat down and had a lot of conversations about that. We decided to just pull all those ideas. And so what were you guys, you're, it's basically a design firm, Hostie is? Yes, Hostie is a design firm in Manhattan. We create designs that are intended to encourage a more mindful lifestyle, whether it's from the materials that we use or how we create the products or the messages that they carry. And you founded it with, with these two partners, is that right? Yep, I founded it with my brother, David, and our very good friend, Fabian. Okay, and you, where did you guys go to college? I went to Quinnipiac University in Connecticut. David went to Northeastern in Boston, Massachusetts. And Fabian went to Columbia University in New York. 
And so are you guys in the millennial generation? Or are you uh, 30 and under? Good question. Yeah, we're all, I just turned 30 last week. Um, Fabian uh, also just turned 30, and David is 27. So I don't know. We might be on the cusp. Well, uh, happy birthday. And you are the first year of the, the, the millennials just turned 30. So you would be... Um, the first year. Um, and do you think that your attitude reflects your generation? Um, I, from what it seems like, I, I think in many ways there's, uh, we were brought up in a moment where we were exposed to like the heights of hyperconsumption and in many ways like embraced it. That became a part of who we were. And now as we, we've just been exposed to so many things, so much information, um, and there's been, there's, few times in history where there's so much transparency around the way that things work and you can instantly see how decisions you take with the impact they have on other people, whether it's people in your community, people in your world, people on the other side of the world. And I think that's had a very dramatic impact on our generation. Um, and it's encouraged many people that I know to really rethink the way that they live their lives and the way they spend their time and what they choose to work on as a result. Um, it's no surprise that there's so many people not just trying to be entrepreneurial and their activities right now, but doing it with the intention of having some sort of social good just because I think we're so much more exposed to um, some of the challenges and problems that have always existed, but for the first time, they're really kind of like brought to the surface in a very, uh, very meaningful way. I agree. I'm the first year of Gen X, so um, I think I feel the same way, and many of my... Um people who are my age feel that way too. And I, I think that's why I gravitated to your manifesto. Um, because as we're, you know, so much older than you, we're facing that midlife crisis where, well, it has to mean something, you know, our kids are teenagers and, and older. And I feel like there's a whole wave of people that are trying to seize the day and make it, make a difference, make their lives mean something. Yeah. I think that it's also, you know, there's, a, there's been a perfect storm of things that have been going on that I think also spurred so much of this type of activity, right? We came off of um, a really one of the biggest recessions we've had in, this, in the U.S. since uh, the Great Depression. Um, people started, you know, getting either, like, jobs cut, payments cut, and were just challenged to just rethink and reevaluate what was important for them in their lives. And I think that was that was a very big part. I mean, that's whole came to be pretty much at the height of the recession also. And there's a lot of other companies that I think had similar stories around that time. So what's been the response to this manifesto? The response to the manifesto has been massive. We never expected or planned to get anything like we've received. Um, to date, it's hard to get exact, to know exactly how many times someone has used something. But um, from what we can calculate from where it's been posted and shared and the views of those pages that have got, uh, it's about 80 million views on the manifesto and um, being just a small independent design company in New York, that's, that's a pretty staggering figure that um, we're completely humbled by. And 
for <laughs> at some point. That's great. It's been, it, yeah, but it's been it's been amazing. I think that um, it's humbling, and uh, yeah, I, we've it, it's, there's so many stories where people would be traveling in a completely remote place on the other side of the world, and they'll see it um, hanging somewhere and, and it written or rewritten in a different language. It's been translated over 14 languages to date, and yeah. um, it uh, it continues to kind of. It never, I don't know, it's, it's hard to get used to that fact where someone says that they're traveling in Nairobi and some small, like a frame maker in Nairobi had it hanging in his window. Um, that's never going to get old. I think that's kind of amazing. Well, to have that kind of universal, you know, you've tapped a nerve that's so universal, it sounds like. So you guys must be onto something. How do you follow this up? Um, <laughs> you know, that's, I, I think um, for us, we're... Um, we're not, you know, the manifesto was something that was, um, totally, like I said, it was, it was unplanned and it's something that we can never recreate or, you know, to hope to make something that goes viral, I think is, goes very much against the spirit of like what even goes viral, right? Things that are very genuine, that are very real, that people can connect with in many ways. Um, right. But, so I'm sorry, uh, that was a Gen X question. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's okay. I, I think, but but that's that's a very legitimate, very legitimate question. Um, I think that one one it's always going to be a very central part of like how we build our company, um, and it makes it challenges us to think about how we want to grow in many ways and the types of decisions that we want to make. But I, I mean, uh, up until now, one of the big things that we we're focusing on are, create, are creating products that are really challenging the status quo of how they're made. Um, and going forward, I think over the next three to six months, we really want to think about instead of, you know, right now, if you go to our shop, we have a lot of, um, we have some pretty innovative products and some just products that are just designed all in different ways that are, like I said, intended to encourage a more mindful lifestyle, but they're kind of, um, a large range of products, right? So we have, we have a lot of letterpress print, um, items. We have designs from prints from other designers. We are going to be launching a bit in a onesie. Um, soon after, we're, we have um, T-shirts and dresses, and um, so it's kind of things that are they're kind of all across the board. They're, but they're pretty much things that we love and we'd love to make. For example, our sister just had a baby, so we decided we really wanted to bring back the baby bib so we could have one for her. Um, but we we want to take like a little bit more of a, um, a systemic approach to how we make things. And what I mean by that is instead of making just like different products that are across different range. Um, thinking about the impact that we can have if we look at things in a very systemic um, point of view. For example, looking at the systems that we have in our life for how we maybe transport food or move things around I mean, like in our own personal lives on, on a commercial level and creating products that like better serve those things and create better alternatives in terms of like the materials they use and how they're made um, and the whole life cycle of those products. That sounds great. It reminds me a lot of what the Life is Good company does. They were our entrepreneurs of the month in September of 2011. Um, We went up there and interviewed Bert Jacobs, one of the brothers. He and John founded the company, and they have that very similar approach to building a business, and I think they've turned it into a $100 million company over the course of a decade or so, taking what was authentic and real to people, and it sounds like you're on that same path. Yeah, you so, should meet I mean, them. We're, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, um, we're, our team is, is definitely growing right now, and we're looking at, that's always like a funny point in a company, right? Because we want to make sure that um, that we're growing is great, but we want to make sure that we grow the right way. And 
So how, how will you guys, what's your next step? What for growth? Um, we're, we've been hiring quite a few folks recently. Um, as we become like a more and more legitimate organization, um, we realize that we, we need to bring in people who have really good experience that can help us and enable us to grow in, in the way that we want to. Um, so that means bringing in someone who has um, very strong understanding of operations, production, material sciences, um, those types of backgrounds that we find ourselves getting deeper and deeper into and just just by cure faster. Um, so in terms of like sourcing and understanding the impacts of new materials, that's very important for us and bringing in um, some resources that are some people that have that have that level of knowledge already handy um, will allow us to be able to have that kind of information in-house and much more readily available. That sounds great. So if you had advice for entrepreneurs, what would it be? Maybe three things that every entrepreneur should know, especially if they're about to launch something that unbeknownst to them is going to go international. The first thing and the most important thing is whenever you have an idea, um, really get it out of your head and make something, Make whether it's a prototype, whether it's something physical, a drawing. The most important thing is to get the idea out of your head and don't be afraid that people are going to steal your idea because really that idea is something, it's original because it, it came from something that was important for you and no one's going to be able to execute it the same way that you were thinking. And the most important thing is just like build that prototype, get it out in the world, um, whether it's like a very, very raw prototype that doesn't even work, but it can function and just make a show and you can kind of like um, share with others. I think that's something that people forget as a, sometimes it's a simple, sometimes it's a very challenging step, but I think it's the most important step in getting anything going. Um, I think the second thing would be that we found pretty consistently that things take twice as long as you plan for oftentimes and they cost twice as much, especially the first year or the first time, first couple times you're trying something. If you're trying something new, um, keep that in mind. Don't be discouraged by that. And um, I think the third thing is um, that it's really easy to overestimate what you'd be able to do in one year um, and people underestimate what you can do in five years. And just like thinking on that type of horizon, it's challenging in this era because there's a lot of desire for instant gratification. And thinking five years out seems like a lifetime. Um, and But it's, there's so much that you can do in five years. And if you can think, uh, allow yourself, uh, make it available for yourself to even think on that level um, and plan for that for that type of time frame, it's pretty incredible what, what anyone can accomplish, I think. Um, and so making, even if your plan is going to change, just thinking about what, uh, what that long-term plan could look like in addition to what you might want to do in a year, not just focus on what the next year is going to look like. That's absolutely been my experience being in the fifth year of my company. It sounds like you need to do the entrepreneur's manifesto now. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I've experienced in the five years I've been running incandescent. And um, I think you maybe need to write the entrepreneur's manifesto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we've, uh, it's funny, the funny thing is we've had um, – we, we, none of us are classically trained writers. I think that we – I can't – something that was made the For more, yeah. So for X, Y, and Z things, and um, I think that, yeah, I mean, we, I, I would love to help others find, figure out, like, ways to um, get to what they're really passionate about, because I think that really, that can change um, a person's life, it can change a community, it can change civilization when people are doing things that they're really excited about and not just uh, dragging themselves. 
mm-hmm. keep that in your um, keep that uh, in your mindset, very very present in your mindset. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they call it living consciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it'd be great if people could just yeah. decide that's how they were going to live, and then they made accommodations after. That's actually what I see the millennials doing: living consciously. And I, you get a lot of pushback from people in my generation and older. I've been at several meetings and people are really mad about how millennials dress and how they don't care. But we've done a lot of research at Incandescent and we have generations columnists, Mike, um, Mike Hayes and Morley Winograd write our generations column. And they talk a lot about the positive aspects of the millennials and how they are this forest fire that's changing the way the world works and people think. And I really give a lot of credit to you and your compatriots who are doing it in such a positive, forceful way. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. That means a lot. I, I um, was, there's there's been a lot of really big challenges um, to make Holti happen, and I think that sometimes it's easy to look at a company that's down three years down the road, and um, it's not always very obvious, like all like the craziness or the hoops, and like literally in the first year, week by week, we would have things happening that um, we would felt like the company was about to fall apart, or we were going to like have to like stop right then and there. But we just like always found ways to power through, just because we wanted it to happen so badly that we were willing to just do anything to make it happen. Um, so it's, it's in, in, I don't ever want to give the impression that it's easy. Um, but it's, it's something that is, um, totally worthwhile. And, and, and as far as I'm concerned, that's excellent. I agree with you. And, uh, I always have the three minute rule when my kids were little and everything was going crazy. And my husband and I both worked for ourselves and had deadlines. I would say, you know what? In three minutes, it's all going to get better, and it always did. So I think that's a lesson for entrepreneurs to know that you do have to power through and make it work and that you have to be really flexible. Mm, that is, I think flexibility is, like, one of the most important things, especially if you have partners or teammates that you're working with. Um, that is super, that's a super important characteristic, I think, of an entrepreneur in general, of creating a startup, just being already, like, you know, you always have your plan, but things will almost – will rarely go the way you want, um, especially in the beginning. You have to just be able to be ready to roll, roll the punches in that respect. Yep, I think that has to be the plan. The plan is going to change. <laughs> in fact, one of right. my best friends who I traveled to Europe right. with, I was always a planner, and she said, we can have a plan, but as long as the plan can change. And I thought, you know, that's actually a good philosophy of life. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I yeah. love that. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Well, we're going to check back in with you periodically and see how Holsty is go, growing and glowing. So everyone can check your website out. It's www.holsty.com. And if you want to check out the manifesto, it's slash manifesto. And you can buy it framed. I just got an email offering that. So I'm very excited to get one from my office. Oh, cool. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much. This is Hope Katz Gibbs signing off. Thank you for joining us for the Incandescent Radio Show on the Entrepreneur Podcast Network. This is the ePodcast Network.